Welcome to Career Tools. This week, how to make small talk before an interview. Here we go. We've talked before that there are five parts of interviews. There's the prep, there's the chit chat, there are your answers, there are your questions, and then there's the follow-up. And, you know, we, we think most people tend to focus on their answers. Give me the answers to the big questions, but a lot of people who aren't naturally personable and don't know perhaps as well how to handle a conversation struggle with the chit chat. And as we've said before, you can make a mistake in an interview, but the mistake you make followed by the fear and dread you feel inside causing you to focus on the mistake you just made and miss the next question leads to the real death of interviews, which is another failure and another failure and another failure. And it's too bad, but a lot of people don't do well in chit chat and it starts the interview and they feel like they're awkward and uncomfortable and so on. And they wonder why the interview didn't go well. And it's because the recruiter or interviewer or hiring manager made up his or her mind in the first five minutes. Yeah, the interview starts the moment you walk in the building. In fact, it starts way before that, but the actual, you know, the interaction with you and the company starts as you walk in the building and Whoever you meet is going to chit-chat with you. So you, so you know it's going to happen. Yeah, they start with small talk, whether it's an assistant walking you to the interview room or the interviewer, him or herself. There's generally some questions you get before the interview proper. And you and I were brainstorming about them, and we came up with so many that we're going to make this the first in an irregular series of typical chit-chat sort of questions specifically designed for those of you who are who struggle a little bit with this part of the interview. We understand that. And we're going to talk about weekends and sports and TV and news and all those kind of things and how to get ready and more detail and so on. But the first, the two most common ones uh, are how are you and how is your trip in, right? Yeah. And, and the, uh, how are you is so standard. I always pick up the phone and say, hi, how are you? And, and you and I talk like 10 times a day. And after the fifth time, I've said, how are you? And it was only two hours since the last time. I just, but I can't not say it. Right. And what's funny about that is that it's actually inappropriate after a couple of times. Exactly. And it's a habit. Um, and you'd be crazy to think your interview is not going to start with some form of how are you. So give us a, a quick overview and then let's dig into the first two questions that we're going to share. Okay, so how are you? We're going to talk about smiling, making eye contact, what to say, uh, what to do once you've said the thing, <laughs> and, then, and then how you move the conversation back to the other person, passing the medicine ball. Uh, and the then the medicine ball. Yeah, and then the same with how was your trip in? We're going to talk about what to say if it was easy and what to say if it was a problem. And then again, how to pass the conversation back. Yeah, we're just going to take these two. And Wendy uses the example or the, the analogy of the medicine ball. We actually have a podcast about how to have a conversation. And basically, a conversation is like a tennis match. We hope that you never play a tennis match with a medicine ball. But the idea is you get a question and you answer the question. And then you return the ball back to the other person by asking them another question. Uh, and similarly, uh, a medicine ball also works well in terms of passing it back and forth, uh, which is typical in medicine ball use when it comes to fitness. So let's start with how are you? I think the big mistake that most people make is they say fine. And they think, A, that that's true, and B, therefore, it's a great answer. And first of all, A, it may be true, okay? But if it is, if you are in fact only fine, you're dumb, 
because that's not what you should be feeling, what the recruiter wants you to be feeling before a start of an interview. And secondly, it's clearly not enough and you just killed the conversation. Mm-hmm. And many of us say fine out of habit again yes, because you know exactly. so often random people that you know random people we meet in stores or you know yep. on the street or whatever say hi how are you and you go fine and then you say fine how are you and it's such a habit that that you actually need to consciously think i'm not going to say whatever my word is for don't ask me any questions you don't yeah. want to know it's a good uh reminder that an interview is not a conversation that's just like any old conversation. If a friend of yours says, how was your weekend? And you say, fine. How was yours? Fine. Because maybe you're both busy walking into a meeting or something. That would be a completely appropriate thing to do. But compare that with telling your friend, for instance, hey, how was your weekend? Oh my gosh, I went to this party. I got so drunk. Well, would you tell the recruiter that? No. Would you tell your best friend that? Probably. So therefore, this is an interview it is designed to keep you out and you can't be yourself really can't even be your best self you have to be your best smart self so there are smarter ways to answer than fine if for no other reason than fine just trust me you start off the first interview after a guy who started off by saying great this is the interview i've been most looking forward to this week i i gotta tell you you're doomed if you start off with fine in my mind anyway yeah and then even if you're first and you're followed by that guy, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so so tell us what we should do and what we should say. We're not only trying to tell we don't want to just use the word and the rest of our body language say, I'm fine. So you don't want to go, I'm great, and your body say, well, you know, I'm here. I'm faking it. I know I'm supposed to say the word great, but I can't deliver it with any enthusiasm. And so therefore you won't believe me, but I said the right word. Why don't they like me? Exactly. So, uh, so we're going to smile. We're going to make eye contact. We're going to use a word that's more than fine. Um, and then we're going to talk about how to pass the conversation off. So the first thing is smiling. Smiling is, I looked it up. It's, it's universal. Like everybody in the entire world smiles. And um, the theory is that if you show your teeth, it means that there's no threat. That's like yeah, the human like animal is the only Darwin one. Darwin came yeah, up with that. He, he, the human animal is the only one that smile that shows its teeth when it's not about to eat. Exactly. So, and and we are so attuned to people smiling, we can tell the difference between a real one and a fake one without even yeah. even in a photograph. So the person's not actually smiling; like it's a it's a moment. But we can still tell. So smiling is really, really important. And I've been watching a TV show where the host is a clear, off the charts, high D, high C, and he rarely smiles. He's an analytical, uh, precise, perfectionist, logical, rational, not personable kind of person. Probably very smart, right? Very smart. And doesn't smile. Um, and probably would say, well, why would I be smiling? I'm not happy with the performance. Everyone could be doing better. You know, why? what's smiling about? But I've noticed when he's happy, when something goes right or something looks good or, you know, he's at an occasion, he smiles. And I think he'd be one of those people who says, I don't smile. But right. he does. And he some does. are all the people that are, say, are thinking now, but I don't smile. Well, you do. You just... Don't think about those moments when you do. So you can 
and you can do it now. And remember, you're excited to be here. You want to be here. You want to meet this person. You want this job. Yeah, it's actually, a, it's a logic question, really. Now, there are some of you who would say, I'm not a smiler, and hopefully Wendy just addressed that. But for the vast majority of you, suppose this was your most important interview that you're most excited. This is the job you most wanted. Wouldn't you be super excited and smiling? Yeah. Okay. Now, some of you would say, oh, I'm super excited, but I'm not smiling. Okay. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't help you. And there are rules in interviewing, and this is part of the reason you hate it. But the moment you go to an interview, you are saying, I want an offer. That's the very definition of it. Look, guys, if you don't want an offer from the company you're interviewing with, it's unethical <laughs> yeah. to go. It's just unethical to go. So therefore, if you're going... You're saying, I want an offer. And therefore, the professional does what he or she can to maximize the chance of that. Now, look, we don't want you to be false. But on the other hand, if you're not willing to smile genuinely and show some enthusiasm when the company is clearly probably interviewing other people, if you think it's so much of a power play that you want them to know that you don't need them, but they need you, then probably you're not going to get the offer. And so, you don't need to listen to the rest of our stuff on interviewing. Save your money for our interviewing series, which is about 60 podcasts, about 20 of which are private. You have to pay for them. You know, just don't bother because you're not going to do well. And we don't want you to tell us that you didn't do well and you, you got our interviewing series. Because reading the interviewing series, understanding the interviewing series doesn't matter. What matters is following the guidance in it. So if you're not willing to smile, then you're not willing to follow even the simplest rules. And so therefore, a complex theory of how to answer, tell me about yourself or significant accomplishment, which is an interviewing series, it would be lost on you, I think. Sorry, Mike always gets on me about, why do you keep not selling our products? I'm like, no, really. I want people to be successful with our products. Hey, go start <laughs> from you for you from Mike. <laughs> okay, and, and you also say eye contact. Exactly, and... Again, we know as human beings that when people don't look at us, there's something shady about them. And and we also know that you don't look at someone when you're embarrassed or um, there's some other emotions, but quite often it's because you're shady. And even if you're embarrassed or you're nervous or whatever it is that causes you not to want to make eye contact, the interviewer is most likely to think you're shady and that's not what you want. So make eye contact, even if you don't want to, to allow the interviewer to understand that you're an open person who's willing to, you know, to open themselves to the conversation that you're having. And if you really can't bring yourself to look at someone's eyes, which is sometimes a bit odd, um, then look at the bridge of their nose so that you're looking in like the right area rather than someone else. Yeah. If you don't smile and then you don't make eye contact, the person consciously or unconsciously has already given you two negatives. Right. And you haven't answered a question yet. Yeah. You come across as less trustworthy and unconfident. I mean, seriously, would you hire somebody that you thought of as being somewhat trustworthy and unconfident? I would suggest not. Now, some of you engineers would say, that's really hard for me. Yes, it is. And we're telling you categorically, based on all of our 20, 30 years of interviewing and so on, that it matters. And we know it's hard. And if it were easy, as I said before, the pay would be a lot less and third graders would be doing all of our jobs. So just do it. Smile and make eye contact. Okay. Now we've got to get to the words and we've got, hopefully we've banished the word fine. Yeah. Uh, fine or good isn't isn't enough. It's not good enough. No. 
So what do we say? I'm great or I'm excited or I'm excited to be here. Something that tells the person that you're with that this is the highlight of your week. You absolutely want to be here and this is the only place you want to be right now. And some of you are thinking, well, why wouldn't meeting new people be like the highlight of my week? Like, Yeah, this is a great <laughs> Danny's opportunity. Hus- Danny's husband, Tim, is listening and going, huh? They've done like more people? Excellent. Yes, Because uh, exactly. he's a high eye and meeting a new person is, is the highlight of his day. But for those of you who think, oh, God, more people, like someone new, oh, I have to be nice to them, you know, all that stuff. Remember, again, these people have something you want. So you do want to meet them. So you want to kick it up a notch. You want to be more, at least one notch and maybe two or three more excited than you would ordinarily show yourself to be. And and now, again, to address you perfectionist, you logical, rational, linear folks who don't think that smiling and and having a positive-sounding answer, an answer that distinguishes you, matters. I can promise you this. Uh, it reminds me every time I hear that. Well, you know, I'm pretty good. I don't think I need to play the personality game. They're going to hire me for my coding skills or my my project management experience or whatever. I, you know, I, I recall the story of uh, a kid at Harvard. I was speaking at the Harvard Business School about how to interview. They had asked me to come up and teach. I don't know, like 400 of them in, in the session, and I spent like four hours with them. And they said, one guy said, well, no offense, but we're all pretty smart here. So why should I be listening to you? I mean, I'm a Harvard MBA. You know, I kind of chuckled. I said, well, they, how to they, win they, friends they, and influence yeah, people. I, the, the first thing I said was, well, they paid me to be here and you had to pay to be here. So that's one thing. <laughs> but, but the other thing I would tell you is just because you're a Harvard MBA, that's not a discriminator. That doesn't separate you from the other 400 people you're interviewing against. You're all equal. In fact, the vast majority of people who are interviewed for jobs, I would say 98% of people who are interviewed for jobs, by definition, are qualified to do the job. We are making distinctions in all kinds of small areas in order to make a hiring decision. I can promise you, for any job you're interviewing for, if you're not a conversationalist, you're going to be going up against someone who is every bit as skilled as you are in the details of the job, and they will be a conversationalist as well. Not necessarily because they're naturally good at it, the way Tim Martin is, but because they might have worked at it. Nobody's going to cry any tears for you when you don't get the job, when you discover a guy who actually is slightly less good at your job than, than you are actually got it because he won the opportunity because he did a lot of small things well. And you know that he's actually not a personable person necessarily day to day. Your job is pretty well down in the weeds or, you know, doing quality assurance or something like that. And he or she gets the job and you think, wow, I mean, I'm actually better at the job than them. Yeah. You know, in in a football game, there's offense and there's defense and there's special teams. People only talk about offense and defense, but real fans talk about offense and defense and special teams, the kicking game, right? And uh, kicking and punting and field goals and all that kind of stuff and run run backs and those kinds of things. Well, it matters. And there are games that are won and lost on that. And if you don't care about a third of the game, that's fine. It's okay. But if you lose because that game, nobody's going to, because you don't, you didn't focus on that. Nobody's going to cry any tears for you. And and I got to tell you, um, if you go back to the office, 
and you discover that one of your colleagues got the job that you were interviewing for and you're actually in your mind and everybody else's mind kind of better at your job than him. When you go to other people and say, God, I can't believe he got the job. Why did he get the job and not me? I can promise what everybody's thinking here. You must not be a very nice guy because they picked somebody less skilled. He must have done a great job. And you might choose to say to yourself, well, I suspect he overemphasized some things he could do or whatever. Uh, you know, if you want to call your colleagues liars, that's fine. But generally speaking, everything matters at an interview. And you can be less good in a couple of areas, but you have to fight on all areas in order in all areas in order to have a chance to win. Simple as that. Okay. So you're recommending something like I'm great. Been looking forward to this all week. Really excited to be here. Can't even believe I'm here. You know, I've been thinking about this for over a year. So glad. You know, if Wendy were interviewing me, guys, and she she said, "How are you?" I'd say, "I don't know that I could be better." I have been looking forward to this for quite a while. And by the way, in my seventh interview, and somebody says, how are you? I'd go, I'm still every bit as good as I was when I started. I'll tell you one other story. I've said it a couple of times before in talking about interviewing. One of my very good friends, John Hoffman, is a CEO of a of a technology company, uh, uh, a big supplier of chip-making equipment uh, for companies like Intel and Samsung and so on. And John and I were roommates at the Academy. And John did not distinguish himself as an academician. He graduated with, I think, a 1.69 GPA, I think the lowest GPA I've ever heard of. And the reason they let him graduate, he passed everything just barely, is because John is a great leader and a great person. And uh, when he interviewed with a guy named Al Gibson at Applied Materials, and I think this was in about 1989, John was the last interview of a two-day-long interviewing conference he attended. John had probably had 10 or 11 interviews, and he was interviewing with Al, and Al was a, a recruiter for Applied Materials, which is, a again, a semiconductor equipment manufacturing company. And Al interviewed John at 4.45 on Tuesday afternoon. Interviews had happened Monday and Tuesday. John had been in 10 or 11 interviews, and Al had been through at least 10 or 11 each day, and so he was probably on his 20 or 25th interview. And John Hoffman came in. Now, now John and I were roommates our junior year in order for me to tutor him through electrical engineering so he would pass, and he got a D, and we were thrilled. John's just not cut out to do academics. But Al Gibson opened the door at 4.45 on Tuesday afternoon and said, hi, John, Al Gibson, nice to meet you. John says, hi, Al, nice to meet you as well. Um, Al Gibson interviewed him for 45 minutes. And at the end of that time, Al Gibson looked at John Hoffman, who had no academic credentials to justify going to work for a semiconductor equipment manufacturer. And he said, John, I'm not only more excited now at 5.30 after a 45-minute interview, I'm not only more excited now at 5.30 than I was at 8 a.m. when I started interviewing today, I'm more excited than I was yesterday morning at 8 a.m. when I started interviewing. I don't know how, and there's no reason on paper I should do it, but I am going to find a way for my company to hire you. Okay? And John Hoffman went on to be chief operating officer of Applied Materials and has been CEO of two or three or four companies since then. And he did it all with things like, I'm great, I'm excited, can't wait to be here. When he shook uh, Al Gibson's hand, and I, I haven't talked to Al in several years, but Al said, I just knew it was going to be a good interview. Guys, you might think that you're not that guy, but John Hoffman wasn't that way either. But John Hoffman said, I know what, need, what I need to do in order to be effective in interviewing. And he's been a CEO multiple times over. So I would argue you can do it if you want to. 
And if you don't do it, we'll assume you don't want to or that you can't, either one of which doesn't make you look very good. Okay, so uh, we've beat the dead horse about, I'm great, I'm excited, best day, I mean, I'm so excited. And again, excited at the end of the day as well. If somebody says to you, are you tired? No, I'm not tired. This is my kind of day. This is something that I want, and it's my job to show you why I'm good at it, and I'm sitting here ready to help. I won't be perfect, but I'll be the best I can be for the next 30 minutes or 45 minutes. You start every interview like that, people will shake their heads and say, I don't know why we should hire this guy. I know he doesn't look good on paper, but he's the kind of guy I want to work with. He's a guy that is going to still be here at midnight or 1 o'clock every once in a while, pulling all-nighter, going to get the pizza, coming back and saying, come on, a couple more hours, guy. We can get this thing done. Yeah, absolutely. But you also said we need to go further than that. Would you add something? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you've been giving examples all the time. You've been talking. So yeah. we'll just do this one quickly. But you can't just say they say how are you, and you say I'm great. Ugh. But you you can't stop there because that like just kills the conversation. So you have to add something. And you've been uh, you've given a bunch of examples like I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. All those kind of things that just extend the I'm greatness to a couple more sentences or a little bit longer so that it, it doesn't feel like a dead stop in the conversation. Yeah, and, and this is the fundamental problem with 40% of the people that I converse with on a regular basis. They believe that when they get asked a question, their job is to answer it. But if you're in a conversation, which is ideally what interviews should feel like, when you do that, you have to pass the baton back to them. Now, now, not all parts of the interview are that way, but in the chit-chat in the beginning, it absolutely is about a conversation. And that means yeah. you have to say something more. I'm great, couldn't be better, really excited, anything like that. But then we get to the next point, of course, which is passing the medicine ball or using a different analogy, hitting the tennis ball back to the other side of the net. Because when you get asked a question, you answer the question, Again, as Wendy said, that's a dead stop at that point. If the recruiter begins to feel in the first five minutes that they have to ask you a question and you're going to answer, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, that feels dreary in the first five minutes. Wendy and I have both had that experience. It's just like, mm -hmm. well, they answered everything, but they sure are a bump on a log. So we recommend passing the medicine ball or hitting the tennis ball back across, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're, you're stood there just, you know, holding it awkwardly, which is, you know, and medicine balls get heavy, so don't do that. So the way to pass it back is to ask another question. If you didn't say, how are you first, if that's not how the conversation started, you can ask that. So if they say, how are you? And you say, I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. How are you? That passes it back. Or if, you, if you've already used that one, you can say something about the job or their surrounding, your surroundings. So like, do you work directly for the hiring manager or do you work in the same department as the hiring manager? Or that's a great fountain. Have you, have you guys had this building long? That works. Don't ask a question to which you should know the answer. So if the, <laughs> if the, if the company has just moved there and that's why they're hiring, don't make a comment about how long they've been in the building. Or if you've already been sent an organization chart and the person's name is there reporting directly to the hiring manager, don't make that comment. But you can absolutely think of a bunch of these before you go to the interview. Yeah, you could even say, am I your first interview of the day? Yeah. Okay. If you hadn't, you could say, how was your morning? I often recommend you don't tell people, how are you? You say, how are you today? It generally elicits a more specific thing. 
Or you could say something like, when they say fine, let's say they don't listen to this podcast, they say fine. <laughs> you say, uh, a typical busy day or unusual week, what's going on this month? Or you could say something like, I'm great, really excited to be here. I don't know where I am in the interviewing process, but I hope it's going well. Have you had a chance to interview anybody else? Now, look, there are people who would say, oh, you're just trying to get competitive information. No, you're not. You're asking a legitimate question about somebody whose role it is to interview new people. And if they've interviewed a bunch of other people, they might say something benign, uh, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's going pretty well. And then you could say, well, that's good. I hope it, you know, I, ho I hope you get who you want. It'd be great if it was me, but regardless, I hope you get who you want. And by the way, don't be surprised if you learned the te you've learned the technique now of hitting the tennis ball or throwing the medicine ball back, but they don't. And there's nothing wrong with you getting asked one question, how are you? I'm great, really excited, da 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 da, da. And then following up with the question, ended up asking them three or four or five questions. Uh, if you feel like you've asked three or four or five questions and maybe it's time for them, or you feel like maybe it's beginning to feel a little one-sided, they're never throwing the ball back to you, the next time you ask a question when they answer, make a statement back so that now the conversation is neutral again. Remember, the point of a question is that it obligates the other person to talk. Not exactly obligates, but essentially that's what people expect when they're in a conversation and one side asks the question. So in order to stop the the tone of you're now asking all the questions, you simply change. You ask two or three or maybe four questions. And if you're not getting any questions back, you could say, when you say, well, was it a good quarter last year? Because they mentioned they're getting ready for financials or whatever. And they say, yes, it was fine. Then um, you can say, well, good. Good to hear it. And now the vibe of you asking all the questions stops. Mm -hmm. And folks, I think one of the things you'll discover after listening to this cast is how much your conversations are on autopilot in terms of questions and answers. And if you want to change the, the feel of a conversation you're in, start or stop asking questions, depending upon your natural tendency. You'll discover conversations change. You don't even realize your tendency to ask questions or not ask questions. And if you want to be a better conversationalist and you don't answer, you don't ask questions, the way to do it is to start asking more questions about the other person. I had to learn this. So recruiters have to learn this too. I worked in a building with a really long walk from the reception yeah. to where we interviewed. Oh, and it's total and I, bummer. Yeah. I, I suddenly found out that how are you only lasted to the first set of stairs. Yes. And so I and then I had to think of some more questions that were that were easy to answer, that relaxed people, you know, that they didn't feel that they were being grilled, but would like move on the conversation. Right. Yeah. Um and literally, for the first 20 people, there was silence. And it was awful, awful. Until, I, until I thought, okay, I have to change this. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the second question, which is very common, is how was your trip in? Yeah. So, and then this is a common warm-up question for lots of things, not just interviews, but there's two ways to answer it. If it was an easy journey, then there's one answer. And if it was difficult, then there's another answer. Although we're not going to go into, oh, it was dreadful and, uh, and yeah, you're yeah. flustered and all that kind of stuff. So we'll right. start with the easy. So again, as with the other questions, we don't want to lose that. We're on an upswing of positivity and we don't want to go into a downswing. So we're going to keep enthusiastic and positive. So again, we're going to make eye contact. We're going to smile. And you can do this walking along with somebody, by the way. If you smile, they can hear it. 
So just because they're not looking at you doesn't mean don't smile. So you might say something like, it was uneventful, my GPS got me here, or I'd planned my route and it all worked out perfectly, I'm so lucky, or the directions you gave me were excellent, thank you so much, I got here really easily. I'll tell you something I would say. If I had listened to these podcasts and you know knew this, I'd say, well, actually, um, I planned the route out over the weekend uh, and then did it again. If I was interviewing on a Thursday, I'd say, I drove over here on Tuesday morning to see what the traffic was like. I know mm-hmm. that probably seems like overkill, but a little bit of preparation never hurt anybody. Uh, this is important to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then again, you can pass the medicine more back with another question of your own. So do you find the traffic around here to be generally bearable or you have a great location here? Do you always work out yeah. this office? W- w- what's your commute like? Yeah. And these yeah. are the kind of questions that people often say they want to ask in an interview because they're interviewing the company as much as the company is interviewing them. Them, And we've got a, some guidance on that that we've done, that the interview is not a two-way street. You don't get to ask all your questions. But this is the time when you can find out those kind of things, like, you know, what's your office like? Or um, you've got a great location, how many people are here? Which will give yeah. you an idea of how cramped people are. Yeah. Or, you know, I took the tube. Do, do a lot of, do you know a lot of people here take the tube? Or I notice a lot of bikes out front. Are those folks from here? Or are they from another tent in the building? Or do you know? Many of you are thinking, ooh, that seems hard. And one of the things you can do is if you're not interviewing now, start practicing the medicine ball or the tennis ball technique so that you can get better at it and start paying attention to your surroundings. And don't expect the interviewer to carry the entire conversation by being the only one that asks questions. Yeah. Okay, now you mentioned if there was a problem. Okay, so yeah, if there's a problem, if there's an accident uh, on the road that comes to wherever you're meeting or there's a strike or there's some freak weather, the interviewer is going to know about it because like, they got to work and they probably have con- uh, colleagues and they all got to work and the first thing that somebody said was, did you find see that accident? Or, you know, oh, the trains, like there's only one an hour because they're all on strike, whatever. And so you don't want to not mention it because that would be odd but you don't want to lose your positivity. So we would say something like, there was an accident on the freeway, but thankfully I was a few minutes early, so it wasn't a problem. And it just like like a prang, thank goodness. Or luckily there was a train running that got me here on time, so it was surprisingly easy. Or I saw in the weather forecast last night that there was snow, so I set out nice and early. And fortunately I followed yep. the snowplow here. So we're going to mention it, but we're going to make it sound... As if it weren't a problem, as if we had, yeah. well, because it won't be a problem, right? Because you will have set out nice and yeah. early. And, and if you get asked the question, hey, did you have any troubles getting here today? And you say no, and they know where you live, and they know that the M5 or I-10 or whatever was totally swamped. They can say, wow, really? Didn't you? Oh, yeah, that happened. And frankly, I'm going to assume that the first answer was just boilerplate. Yeah, you're exactly. not actually having a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So don't be, you know, be ready for that. And hey, look, when you get out of your car, say, okay, how would I describe the journey? It was fine. Or if there was a problem, how am I going to say that? And people ask me all the time, how do you, when they ask me at conferences or at client sites, they say, how do you have answers to this stuff? Well, I'm constantly dealing with situations and I'm constantly being asked, how would you answer that? How would you present that? How would you communicate that? I mean, communication is a huge part of our professional lives, and none more so than in an interview. 
So a little bit of preparation, game planning, what you're going to say so you can feel comfortable with it, much better. Yeah. So quick, we'll just have a quick aside about when we, when we mentioned the accident, we said it looked like just a prank. And there's a reason why we would mention an accident and what happened. One, again, because everybody in the office, if there's a huge crash and the, and the road is closed, everybody knows about it. But the, and the D's and C's, the, the people who are task-focused and analytical are thinking, well, there was an ambulance there and a policeman and they were dealing with it and they're efficient and professional, so it was being handled. Right. But the S's and the I's, the people that are more concerned with people and their feelings and how things are going, are now thinking about the people that were in the accident and the professionals who were looking after them and all the people in the traffic jam. So... The reason you mention it is to put their minds at rest so that you notice the people and that you care about them, at least to some degree, because they do. So you're you're just joining them in their world. Right. And so you might say something, if the accident was bad, and like again, they'll know, you just say something, I hope everyone is okay, or I'm sending good right. thoughts that it's not as bad as it looks. And for our American friends, the British word prang means accident, fender bender. That's something small. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, it's normal. Two peoples divided by common language. Yes. Um, I'm not going to call you a numpty. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So so good. We, we, we've given people hundreds of ideas. Let, let's, let's sum up. Okay. So the two questions we answered were, how are you? And how is your trip in? And the basic answer to both of them is something positive upbeat and with a smile and and it's really easy to mess up this part of the interview by not having thought about it and yet you know no, it's, it's going, going to happen, happen. yeah it's, un, it's unforgivable not to have the answer to this question or not to have answers to these questions and, and it's unforgivable not to do it well it really yeah. is and and if you don't do it well you're either saying i'm not prepared or that kind of thing conversing with other people in polite professional ways with an added bit of requirement because you're an interview then you're saying i'm not willing to work hard in situations that are unique or different and you may not like that that's true but it's true <laughs> yeah and the relation uh, careers are about relationships and relationships are often based on small talk and so getting good at it helps you with lots of things not just interviews yeah good okay we're going to do more of these in the future folks addressing other questions that are sort of standard we'll spice them in periodically in the career tools feed hope you enjoyed this week thanks wendy thanks bye everyone That's it, everybody. Our first in an irregular series about the typical questions you get at the start of an interview, which, believe it or not, matter. See you next week.